You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, literally wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at NOLA Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Wednesday edition of Locked On Pelicans. We're going to keep rolling on, recapping some of the best teams in franchise history as we're doing all across the Locked On Podcast Network this week. We've got another one for you. I started with, if we do five or six of these, and I think it'll end up being five, maybe six with like kind of a special mention, let's call it five. We talked about the first season in franchise history here in New Orleans, a team that did make the playoffs, but they're not very high on my list of like greatest teams, best teams. I've got a more recent one here for you, the 2014-2015 team that did make the playoffs, AD's first time in the playoffs, and I don't have this team like horribly high on the list of like good teams, not that there's been many, but I don't even really put them in the top three when it comes to these sort of seasons that they've had. So let's take a look at this one and kind of uh, see where it'll go. So we'll recap that and I'll just give you kind of other updates and news and notes around the league as we go on with all of this. So let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. All right, so the 2014-2015 New Orleans Pelicans team, a team that we were excited about because it seemed like the building of a number of different things. It was Anthony Davis in his first time in the playoffs in his third season when he should be getting into the playoffs. You had guys like Drew Holiday who missed a chunk of the year, half the year, playing well, um, coming back from injury. You guys really stepping up and a guy that might have ruined his career for it in Quincy Pondexter. Tyreek Evans played good minutes. Norris Cole and a number of the other role players really stepped up. Luke Babbitt pump faked a whole bunch. You had Dante Cunningham on here. At times, very good Omer Ashik. At times, very good Ryan Anderson. And you kind of looked at this team and were like, oh, yeah, there's some decent players on here that really stepped up their game and kind of came through when it mattered, including Eric Gordon, who made, uh, who was a big part of the, the reason this team made the NBA playoffs. So, you know, even kind of the reviled Eric Gordon. This is a team that finished with a record of 45 and 37. They were fifth in the Southwest Division and they tied for the eighth best record in the Western Conference, but won a tiebreaker over Oklahoma City. You probably remember why, and we'll touch on that in a little bit here in a moment with uh, as we kind of look back on this team. It was coached by Monty Williams in what would be his last year with New Orleans and kind of started to signal the change that he was looking at with his philosophy. They were the eighth best offense that year in the 22nd best defense, so not great on that side of the ball. Um, and still, Played some pretty good basketball. They had, you know, uh, a very, very strong end of the season. Played incredibly well after the All-Star break. They finished 8-3 and three to get into the playoffs, including a win over the San Antonio Spurs on the final game of the regular season. So this was a team that played hard, that people really kind of got behind and, try- and seemed a little bit like a culmination of everything then-general manager Dell Demps was building at the time. Of course, that all came kind of crashing down in subsequent years. But at the time, 
That's kind of how we felt that it was going to be. And they, you know, when you look at them, looked pretty good for periods of time. Again, that 8-3 and three stretch to close the year with some big wins. And post-All-Star break, they went 18-11 uh, and 11 during that stretch. It's good. There's no doubt about that. Win over the Spurs on the final day of the regular season to get into the playoffs, which was big. Um, and you beat a number of other pretty decent teams during that time, um, including teams like uh, the Spurs again and others as well. So you got some very big wins that you needed to get into the playoffs and kind of continue to uh, build on everything that we were seeing from this team. So it was a lot of fun to watch, particularly for the end of the year. Um, and I believe they ended Atlanta's big winning streak at one point in this one as well. Um, on that season, it was a highlight at home. The Hawks came in on a 20-game winning streak, and the Pelicans beat them 115-100. The Hawks, who at that point after that were 40-9. and That's how good this team was uh, for periods of time. And they were led by Anthony Davis, who finally seemed to kind of be unlocked as a player. 24.4 points per game, 10 rebounds, 2.2 assists, and he was doing it while shooting 53.5% from the field. His game was really, really starting to come together. He was also averaging almost three blocks per game. Tyreek Evans, who was healthy for the most part of the year, playing in 79 games, 16.6 points per game, five rebounds, seven assists for rounding up. Um, and he was playing great. Eric Gordon, who did miss some time and showed up to a watch party we threw that season, was also great. 13.4 points per game. He did it mostly starting with the team. He shot 45% from three, also chipped in four assists per game. That was when, if he had been healthy, you would have been like, oh, this guy is really, really good. Drew Holiday, who only played 40 games, missing more than half the year with that lower uh, leg injury, 15 points per game, seven assists, 3.4 rebounds per. And then you had other guys like Ryan Anderson coming off the bench being the sixth man, 14 points per game, five rebounds for him. He did it on 34% shooting. Omer Oshik was kind of a key guy for the team. He started every game he played that year, seven uh, points per game, 10 boards. It's not bad, to be honest. Now, given the money he was paid, not so much. Dante Cunningham, though, in spot starts gave you some minutes. Norris Cole was kind of a key guy during that year. 10 points per game off the bench for the Pelicans. Uh, Quincy Pondexter came over in a mid-season trade around the trade deadline for the team. And he was really big for everything, too. He averaged 9 points per game alongside 3 rebounds and played incredibly well to help get this team into the playoffs. And if he doesn't do that and he played on a bad knee while shooting 4 43% from deep. I don't know what happens. And, you know, they maybe don't get in. Luke Babbitt off the bench, 51% from three. So this was a team that had kind of the makeup of some some decent enough players and kind of enough depth, even though when you say those names, you don't really think of a lot of depth to get them pretty far. And again, they had some big victories this season uh, over teams that, you know, they really probably shouldn't have, including a big road victory over Houston, where it was 111-83 in early January. So they were a good team-ish. Um, and yeah, some kind of fun uh, highlighted moments. A low light, by the way, if you remember, this was on New Year's Eve against the San Antonio Spurs on the road. It looked like the 
game was going to go to overtime, and then Omer Ashik accidentally tipped the ball into the Pelicans' basket, causing them to lose by two on essentially an own goal. So it was a, that was a weird moment. But overall, these guys were like good. You could get behind them and root for them, and it seemed like things were coming together. And then they got into the playoffs, and this is why I don't rank this team much higher. So we'll get to that and a few other things from that season in just a moment. But today's show brought to you by my bookie. Sports have come to a screeching halt with basketball benched and pitchers off the mound, as well as motorsports not running either. But our friends over at my bookie aren't going to let it get you down. Stay sane and entertained with access to your favorite games like blackjack, roulette, slots, war, and more. It doesn't matter. Wherever you are, the fun doesn't have to come to an end with my bookie. If you don't like video poker, but you still need a fix, they've got live casino dealers at their table. Yes, live with cameras on them 24-7, helping you play the games that you want. If your favorite squad is sidelined because of the pandemic, don't even sweat it. My bookies partnered with some of the leading esports brands to bring you wagers on virtual action straight, straight from the court in NBA 2K20. Plus, you can always do your part to make your bankroll great again by taking advantage of shifting odds on political bets. You can trust the industry leaders in times like these. They're reliable, upright, and best of all, they pay fast when you win. Visit mybookie.ag. AG and use the promo code locked on NBA for a 150% bonus on your first deposit casino deposit. That's promo code locked on NBA to receive 150% cash bonus on your first deposit up to 750 bucks. That's free money. Use promo code locked on NBA to activate the offer. That's promo code locked on NBA. So we looked at kind of the, the group of guys that was on this roster and why they were so fun. And you know, again, if you're picking a highlight of the moment, it occurred during Mardi Gras. And I remember this pretty clearly. It was February 6th and I was in my bed at my apartment right off the Mardi Gras route on Napoleon. And it was a close game between the Pelicans and Thunder. I'm watching it kind of winding down from everything. And all of a sudden, it's it's tied, and it looks like we're going to overtime. Cool, whatever. You're taking an Oklahoma City Thunder team that isn't, you know, the best here in this one. You know, they were 25 and 25 after this one, but still had Kevin Durant, still had Russell Westbrook. Dur- uh, Westbrook had 48 in this one. Durant had 27. It's going to get you pretty far. And Anthony Davis is sitting on a cool 38. Tyreek Evans is chipped in with 22. You had Ryan Anderson shooting hot off the bench with 17 points. Pondexter, again, who's an unsung hero of this team with 15. And the Pelicans are keeping it close against a team that you kind of feel is maybe better than them, even if the records didn't indicate it. And it's tied. Cool. You'll take overtime. You got a chance to win there. But no, Tyreek Evans inbounds the ball to Anthony Davis, who's got Kevin Durant running out on him, plus another guy, and he double clutches a three-pointer and launches it. And it goes in as time expires for a win. I remember I screamed, which scared the hell out of my dog, who was next to me at the time, as I was watching this game because it was so unexpected. They get this victory, which ended up being really, really big in the long run of things. And that's why when I look at this current season for New Orleans, and they're tied with Portland, or the the tiebreaker over Portland, and the potential tiebreaker over the Minnesota Timberwolves, Uh, Not the Timberwolves, the Memphis Grizzlies, other M. That's a really important thing, too. And this season is the reason why I really think those tiebreakers basically give you an extra game. So New Orleans won this and they took they eventually took the series over the Oklahoma City Thunder. And you can, you know, boil it down to that miraculous three point attempt, which was 80s first uh, three pointer made on the season, by the way. 
And um, that's really, really fun. That's going to tie into some other things um, as we recap future teams um, in a moment here uh, coming up on the rest of the show this week and next week. So they tie with the or they get the tiebreaker over the Thunder, which essentially gives you an extra game because on the final day of the regular season, both of these two teams had the exact same record. They were both 45 and 37, but New Orleans got into the playoffs because they had the tiebreaker. And this was probably the moment that caused, you know, in the future, um, Kevin Durant to not want to be there anymore, um, not making the playoffs, not that exact game moment. But they get the tiebreaker and they get in. You don't need to finish with 46 wins. You can finish with 45 wins. And that got them into the playoffs. And that's significant. Now, it came down to the final game of the regular season. You had to win, and the Pelicans beat the Spurs. Maybe Popovich was doing a solid to Monty Williams, one of his old disciples, and helping his buddy get into the playoffs. Doesn't matter. You still got in. And this is why, though, I don't think of this team all that highly in terms of kind of ranking them of the best teams in franchise history with everything. I think there's a couple of other teams that are much, much better than this one. And that's why they're kind of four on my list of five slash six here. So when you look at this roster, yeah, they were good enough to get in, but they got swept in the first round by the Golden State Warriors. And the fact is, yeah, like it just wasn't really going to happen for them in this one. They lost the first game 106-99. They lost the second game 97-87. The third game was absolutely brutal where it looked like New Orleans was going to steal this one at home. And then Steph Curry hit those miraculous three-pointers um, to just take it away from them. And then in the fourth game, New Orleans just didn't have it. The energy wasn't there. And there was really no chance that they were going to even get a game in this series and not get swept. But the first two games told you a lot that this team was just overmatched. The final scores are a little bit closer than they look. New Orleans started to come back against the Warriors in game one, but the Warriors were a significantly better team and New Orleans really didn't have it. They won the first quarter 28-13 to and it was only a furious fourth quarter rally by New Orleans when they won that period 33 to 22 that really they were in the game but they weren't it was too little too late it wasn't going to happen um, and you also the series is notable because Drew Holiday came off the bench in that game one he'd missed 41 42 games this season um, and came back with like uh, four games left to go played coming off the bench and then going into the playoffs was not like just fully ready to kind of take on that normal normal workload he played 21 minutes in game one. This team was just never going to go anywhere, and that's kind of the way I look at it. Omer Ashik was key to the rally in Game 2, which is kind of weird to say out loud right now, given kind of his career and you know what we think of him here in New Orleans was needed in that one. Game 3 was the one where you had the chance, and the Smoothie King Center was packed. I think it was the New Orleans. It was the Smoothie King Center at the time. It was packed. People were hyped for this, and New Orleans was winning. They were up big in this one. It took a 39-19 fourth quarter for the Warriors to come back. They were down 20. And you have those Steph Curry threes right at the end, which got it into overtime. And at that point, just the wind was out of the Pelican sails. They weren't going to do it. And then for game four, it, it, the Smoothie King Center felt like almost like a ghost town compared to the energy of game three. It was not the same. It was just people kind of realized like, 
yeah, no, this isn't happening. We're done here. Um, let's just kind of move on and not even worry about it. Not nearly the same energy, not nearly the same energy from the team. And that's why they lost by 11. This was a team, again, that was fun to watch. Had some like kind of misfit players who outplayed their roles, but was never really a threat. That's why I don't rank them that high in terms of greatest. Got into the playoffs, great. You know, did it on the final day of the regular season, adds for some drama. But sneaking into the eighth spot like that isn't going to really give me a ton of confidence about you. That's why I don't have this team ranked much higher. But it was a fun year. It was our first taste of things that we thought might come, uh, were to come. And oh my God, no. We'll touch on that in a, for a little bit coming up here in the next segment. Before I do that, though, don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from. Still here Monday through Friday for you all, breaking down everything you want to know about this team. It's important to support podcasts and shows you listen to, whether they're sports or others, whether they're mine or others. Hit that subscribe button. Leave a five-star review with a comment. really does help uh, everything during this time. So I appreciate you all listening and uh, making me part of your day, whatever your day looks like now. But please, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from. All right, wrapping up the show here on Locked on Pelicans, the Wednesday edition. We'll have some interviews for you next week and to chop it up over multiple days. This one's going to be a fun one, and I am excited to record it uh, tomorrow when I'm doing it with everybody, which we'll tease it uh, coming up a little bit soon, but it'll be a little bit different, a little bit more fun because we got to have some fun with it during this time. So still looking back at the 2014-2015 season, we were so excited about this year. It made you feel like things were headed the right direction for New Orleans, that they could really build off of that playoff push that Anthony Davis was coming into his own as one of the best players in the league. Part of that was true. He was. He was really good during that stretch and really good and really becoming one of the best players in the league. But next year just didn't go nearly the way that we would have hoped. And that's maybe when everything started to fall off for New Orleans and things started to go downhill, ultimately leading to the exit of Anthony Davis. Monty Williams was fired that offseason, which at the time I don't think was necessarily the wrong move or a move that anyone didn't like. It was wild because I remember I was doing a radio hit, uh, just kind of recapping the season, and all of a sudden the news broke that he was fired and I had been thrown through a loop and was basically doing a radio hit when that broke live. You know, there there's a lot of untold stories from that season and that time and the relationship between Del Demps and Monty Williams. Monty did think he was going into Del Demps' office to get an extension and a raise after the playoffs. And it turns out he was getting fired uh, during that time. They brought in Alvin Gentry, who was fresh off a title with the Warriors. You might remember Alvin, a little bit tipsy in the locker room with champagne flowing everywhere on him, into him, on other people, on the walls, uh, saying, AD, we are coming right back here after he had taken the head coaching job. And we are hopeful that the offense would kind of explode next year under the guru that is Alvin Gentry. Didn't quite happen, but a lot of injuries decimated the Pelicans roster that next season, and they weren't able to really build any consistency. Anthony Davis only played 61 games. Eric Gordon only played 25. Tyreek Evans just, or sorry, 45. Tyreek Evans played 25 games. Ryan Anderson, 66 games. Drew Holiday, 65 games. You just miss too many guys too often to really make any of this work, and it just never materialized for New Orleans and was a bit of a lost season. And that kind of took the wind out of the sails. But looking back on the team the year before that, yeah, that probably wasn't sustainable. Quincy Pondexter tore up his knee and played through it and was out for the year. You had guys playing much better 
la- the season before than they did the next year. Norris Cole was not the same kind of player and not someone you could necessarily rely on and shouldn't rely on like they had to that one year. And so when all of those guys overplay it and it's not, you know, it's not sustainable. Yeah, you're going to lose games combine that with the injuries and that's what happened to new orleans and it was disappointing but it was still fun the year before that playoff experience was really great and so that is why i have the 2014 2015 team of my top five teams let's call it having them listed as the fourth one it's not bad it's not all that good though and you've got to kind of keep this in terms of context of like how many good seasons of new orleans basketball has there been which hasn't been a ton but we do have three really good years that we will talk about and i'm excited to recap some of those coming up over the next couple of days so that's going to do it for this edition of locked on pelicans thank you all for listening uh as always i'm your host jake madison at nola jake on twitter and i'll be back with you all on friday